Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted that you're with us today. You know, when I wrote The Fun of Dying, find out what really happens next back in 2009, I thought that was the culmination of all those decades I spent doing afterlife research. But it turned out that writing the book was just the beginning. And the reason is simple. Soon after you put together all the evidence that our minds really are eternal and you figure out how the afterlife works, and you even come to realize why we're here Then it dawns on you. What you have just discovered changes everything. The key human question, when you think about it, is the same thing that's always been. Whether we're just sacks of cells that will blink out altogether at some point, which is, you know, the mainstream scientific position. Or whether we're the playthings of a powerful God or gods who are perpetually disappointed with us. And that's the religious position. Or whether instead we might be eternal spiritual beings just having a brief human experience in a universe that literally exists just for our benefit. And that is what the evidence now overwhelmingly tells us is true. And when you internalize that truth, it really does change everything. So we live right now in a world where truth has shattered all the scientific and religious underpinnings of what we ever have believed as a species. In some cases, those beliefs go back for thousands of years. But we know now that the truth that is at last being revealed to humankind is much more wonderful than even our most optimistic imaginings. It's just up to you and me to put together enough of the rest of what's true to be able to seek and enlighten the world. And that's what Seek Reality is all about. Many people, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people have entered bodies at this time. So each of us can do our personal little piece of this great work of discovering and then demonstrating to the world what's really going on. And I seek out these folks. They seek out me. And each week we share their fascinating parts of this gigantic project to elevate and perfect the world. A lot of the wisdom they share with us is spiritual because far from being just an artifact of our meat brains, the human mind or the human spirit that you could call it's the same thing is powerful and eternal. And we come into these bodies in the first place so we can raise the vibratory rate of our minds away from fear and toward more perfect love. And there turn out to be a lot of ways to do that. I favor the simplest one, which is the proper application of the teachings of Jesus. The Lord's way also has the great advantage of feeling, you know, more comfortable and not so scary to people who have been practicing Christians all their lives and now are seeking something more. But there are lots of other ways, too. And as I meet the people who can most powerfully teach them, I will be sharing them with you. A bit in that light, our guest today is Sue Brain. She's coming to us all the way from across the pond. She lives in the United Kingdom. And Sue is another wonderful White Crow Books author. Her area of expertise is expressed pretty well in the title of her brand new book. It's called Living Fully, Dying Consciously, The Path to Spiritual Well-Being. That says it all, doesn't it? Sue, welcome. I'm so happy you're with us today. I'm thrilled to be here with you, too. 
<laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. We we've been chatting about some things. It's what what's fun is whenever I meet someone else who's a kindred spirit in doing this work, I always feel as if I've known them a long time, and that's how I feel about Sue at this point. But now, please, dear, tell us something about your personal history. You you do share it in your book, and I it, it's it's useful to read it there. But people who are listening want to have a sense of who's talking, telling them these things. Right. Um. Well. Um. I was born and and, ra- and, and brought up in a in a very uh, uh, religious uh, background, um, Church of England, um, and it was a sort of background where religion. I, I was expected to be uh, to be a believer in the God that was presented to me, but there was no sense of that that there was any inner life. It was all about the external and this sort of the sort of kind of judging thing that was going on. And I, I grew up really confused because I could not relate to that. Even as a as a child, it just didn't feel right for me. And I knew something was missing inside me, but I didn't know what. Um, and that really had a, a, a profound effect on me, actually. And I, I sort of ended up really feeling that, that um, life was an enemy rather than a friend because I couldn't make sense of it. I couldn't, I couldn't connect to it. I couldn't connect to anybody actually, and I certainly couldn't connect to myself. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people. I'm a baby boomer, and I think a, that happened to a lot of us. You know, um, the, half the people listening to us right now are nodding their heads. Just, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, the, in my teenage years, I was extremely unhappy. And I entered my, my 20s. And, and I just was, by that time, I was certainly um, way into drink, uh, to drugs and drink, just to numb out the pain of being alive, really, because I just didn't understand it. Um, and then that went on, and it was destroyed my relationship, it destroyed my marriage, it, this sort of this total not understanding this complete disconnection and trying to sort of swim my way through the mud of life let's put it that way oh my word that should be part of a poem <laughs> that was beautiful it's beautifully then, said yeah and then sort of like I, I was it was I got to the age of 36 and by that time you know, I was certainly harboring suicidal thoughts because I I really didn't want to go on I couldn't make life work and then I was involved in a light air um, plane crash and that absolutely changed everything for me and it was almost I needed that drama that that power that something so out of what I could even imagine happening just to strip away all the stuff that I'd built around me my protections and and the misery and all the things that was going on for me and I just remember sitting beside the the wreck of the crash going Sue, your life's a sham. You've got to do something about this. Yes, yes. And I do write about that in the book, but that yes. was the beginning, the very beginning of, of my healing journey. And, um, and it felt like as soon as I got it that, that I had built this false life, it was like the universe went, oh, brilliant. Right, <laughs> now we can work with her. Yes. And that's been my journey. So I've been on this journey now for over 30 years of peeling back the layers of the onion. I know that's sort of an absolute cliche in spiritual language, but that's absolutely what happens and continues to happen for me. I want I want to know who I am. I want to know why I'm here, why I've, why I've chosen to come here, because I do believe 
that as you said in the in the introduction a lot of us have incarnated at this time to actually help and hold and i call us um conduits of energy that were 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 sta- energy stabilizers those of us who are awake to what's going on and there's a lot of really scared people out there now but Not but what but what you were saying really is to people who are maybe in their 50s or 60s or even older and are thinking, I I feel called to do something. I hear from a lot of people who say yeah. essentially, I feel called to do something. I just don't know what. I don't know what. I, I think it's important that, that your story tell them that it does, you don't have to know where your journey is going because your guides know what your guides are trying to do is make you restless make you eager for change and your guide certainly did that for you and then what comes next is what it is you are supposed to do because clearly you were called to do the work you're doing now Um, you're filling a niche that I think is extremely important for older people who are confronting their own mortality and are still fearful and confused You, you you have some great ideas I just want to say this you have some ideas about how our institutions make us t- fearful of death with co- and completely unnecessarily and you say it better than I could you say I see the denial of aging and death as being responsible for creating narcissistic self-obsessed societies which says the Dalai Lama make us greedier angrier more selfish and more vengeful and this generates a world of fear suspicion and animosity you have said it right there <laughs> Much but better than I could have done. The yes. thing is, Roberta, it doesn't have to be like that. Yes. And that's what my sadness is in a way that – but I think all of this is breaking down. All the structures are breaking down. And we are seeing massive changes now going on in the globally. And, and also I think this is really impacting us personally as well. And, and, and for me, the only way – I can be of absolute service because that's what I believe I've come here to do. And I believe the great God, the universe, whatever it is, that's my boss. And (laughs) my boss guides me, directs me into what I'm meant to do. And that can be as, you know, it can be as sitting down and writing a book or running a workshop or, you know, this, it's that it's as simple as just making a garden grow or bringing up a grandchild or smiling at a, at a stranger in the street. It doesn't matter. It's about connection. It's about really getting that we are all profoundly connected. And within that, we are amazing individual expressions of that connection. And that's so unique to us. Nobody will live the life that we do, but we're in it together. I call it the soup of life. We're just in, and it's time we got the fact that 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 we we're here to grow collectively as well as individually. And each one of us that does the work, and I call that the major work, which is waking up, helps the collective to wake up. That's true. Um, One of the things we can take from your story, and I think this is very true, is that many of us want to help, but you have to have it in you first. First, it's important to to heal yourself on the inside. If you're feeling a lack there, then you're in a situation that where you, it's hard for you to give what you don't have inside. So mm-hmm. what you did first was to make yourself whole and healthy. And you talk about how you did that. And, and I think, I mean, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's team is great people to connect with. She's one of my heroes. Yeah. You did a bunch of good things. 
But what that did was to make you whole, healthy, and strong and able to teach others and re- help others on their mm-hmm. own way, which is the best joy there is. I, you and I feel the same way. I mean, yeah. there's no joy greater than helping somebody that you're able to help, whatever, with what, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, I think that doing I, – I trained with her life, death, and transition um, um, organization and the one thing I went there was so full of pride I was going to fix the world and yes, I was yes. tell everybody how to die you know all of that nonsense yes you know and I just suddenly thought well I've been in a, a plane crash I know all about trauma no <laughs> yes I know how you feel <laughs> yeah and and I've never and I wrote about this in the book I'm one of the facilitators just taking me inside and saying listen unless you're willing to do your own stuff you'll never be able to help anybody else and I was that really I'll never forget that and I suddenly thought I don't want to do my own stuff it's too painful That's I'll just right do everybody else's stuff i'll go out and fix everybody and then of course yeah. it doesn't that does not work because you ne- you can't listen to anybody you can't be with them you can't connect with them if you think you're better superior than they are That's and right. when you, you've done your stuff you've done your work you meet them at the soul heart level and you're in it together yeah i i think that um it's it is the word humbling I, it bothers me because uh, to me, people who say that's humbling, I don't feel humbled at all by it. But it really does take you down a peg when you when yeah. you make yourself look at all the negative things in your life and heal them. That empowers you in a way I don't think and it you connect with your heart and you connect with God in a way that you can't do yeah. unless you look at who you really are and fix it. You know, really fix it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um, for me, I'm really I'm very conscious about the word. What does healing mean? And healing does not mean that you're going to turn into the archangel Gabriel and become or, or become part of the angelic forces. It isn't about that. Healing for me is about owning who I am, owning the life I've come here to experience, and that's the darkness as well as the light. And uh, I love the. Um, the 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 yin and yang um, cycle. You can't have light and just light. You need the dark to balance the light. You need that balance, that harmony, that that playful tension. And so healing, it is healing. I think it's more for me. Healing is about owning. It's about listen. You know, I didn't do very well with that, or that's not a very nice part of me, and I just need to become more aware of it because that's destructive but you never get rid of it because it's part of you but you right. own it take responsibility for it and right. i think that's my main message in the book actually well it's one of many that are i think important one of the things you, you talk about is the fact that because our society is so death phobic and totally unnecessarily mm-hmm. frankly I, the, the day of your death is the happiest day of your life just saying <laughs> if, if you do it right and you go at a planned exit point and you haven't done anything to hasten it it's the best time of your life but what you, one of the things you say is that people who are dying will visit a medical facility more than 30 times in their last year of life that's and, a statistic in, in, in Great Britain 
Oh, I'm sure it's the same in the U.S. too. Yeah. As you, you quote a survivor saying this, I spent most of last year in a car heading to the hospital with my husband. I was completely exhausted and everything we planned had to be worked around my husband's next appointment. Yeah. I became quite resentful. I would rather have spent his last year enjoying what time we had left together. Yeah. That really strikes my heart. I mean, if it's a terminal illness, you don't have to say, okay, well, we're just going to go in palliative care and go into hospice. You could talk about what we want to do together, how we want this to be the most beautiful time. There are a lot of ways that pain can be minimized. But if if you're an older person and you've got a terminal illness, reality is there and we confront the reality in positive ways. But, Roberta, it's not just about the older people. It's about people any age who are dying. It happens with kids as well. You know, suddenly yeah, oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. Some medical system takes over. And I and I um, I know somebody personally, and she was diagnosed with ca- breast cancer. And she said to the, the GP over here, I do not want to have treatment. And they dropped any form of connection with her. They couldn't help her. They didn't want to know. Yeah. She was left dealing with this without any kind of support. It wasn't, it wasn't the doctor's fault because the doctor's got lines of people being diagnosed with cancer who do want help. But if you, it, you have to be a very strong, robust, um, connected person to say, this is not the way I want my treatment to go. I want to do it my way. The problem is that the medical system and this is true, I think, probably of every country, is set to keep people alive. That's number one, because, of course, the alternative is they'll blink out like a light. And because keeping them alive is the most important thing to the medical community, every person who dies is a personal failure of theirs. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to deal with it. I read this years ago. I said, that can't be true. But, boy, more and more it seems true to me. Elizabeth Cooper wrote, wrote about that. Absolutely. And that's why she was so pressed to do something about it and to provide a space where people can, um, they have the space to experience what the dying, what it means to die. And there's a beautiful thing. I don't know if you've heard of um, the planetary hospice movement. No. Oh, no. no. Talk about that. I was going to talk about death cafes, too, so we'll move to that. But first, talk about the hospice. Okay. Well, this is a planetary hospice movement was set up, and there's a guy called Zawawa Woodbury, and he is an American psychologist. And he he writes in this paper that he wrote saying, "Um, the closer we come to death, the sweeter we tend to become. Yes, I think that's true. But we have to be allowed to go to death. That's the thing. We have to be allowed the dying experience. And this is yes. where a lot of things don't come to that. And and it's really sad. But, you know, I do think things are changing. It certainly is in Britain. I've got much more hope. And, and being a baby boomer, we're the next lot to start dying off. And we have yes. fought since day we were born we've been banging down <laughs> walls screaming shouting you know yeah. the walls and we're, we're doing the same now in the dying process and so i think my generation again will say we ain't doing it like that we're doing this differently i don't want to be 96 
and be given a pacemaker, which is happening at this yes. moment. People, we, you know, it, this it has to happen anyway. I mean, I mean, this is terribly contentious thing to say, but actually, the whole system can't afford to keep us alive like this. There's billions of us, so I do think the whole thing will start to change, and it needs to. And we need to take responsibility about how we want to die and in the way that we want to die. Uh, and um, in England, we have something called advanced directives, where you can actually. Uh, it's actually, um, if it's worded correctly, it is a legal document stating how you want to be treated at the end of life. And I think that's essential for everybody to, to sign up to that. Yes, yes. Um, I already know we're probably going to need to do another interview in six months or so because <laughs> we won't get to everything that's in your yeah. book. And I think a lot of it is important. But what you've said there is quite profound. This whole notion of keeping ourselves alive forevermore. My mother died at 94. When she died, she had none of the activities of daily living. She was a vegetable, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's no justification for that. She wasn't being kept alive. It just, longer story than I can tell here, but there was a reason why she didn't die when she should have died. Uh, but it it's just makes no sense. It, it's a horrible way to live. And it, as you say, it's expensive. It's not, it's not, it's not living. It's just yeah. existing in a state of nothingness. That's so you're, right. not, you're neither dead nor alive. And I wonder about the soul. I believe in the, the concept of the soul and the spirit. And I wonder what happens to the soul and the spirit when the body is still kept alive. But actually, it's everything is dead. What, <laughs> what, it, what, it, what happens is actually we know what happens because we've talked to people in comas. What happens is they basically sit out, maybe have a metaphorical smoke and yeah. wait you know they try to yeah. communicate most people don't know they're there but until the body dies believe me the person is still in the room so so be careful what you say uh if around people who seem to be um terminal and, oh, unconscious. and it's very clear that that, that that hearing is the last thing to die that's to, right to go absolutely and it and it's very important to remain respectful in the space when somebody is in that space but it's very distressing to witness so let's talk about the death yeah. cafes movement you're involved oh, in that yeah. too definitely yeah um the death cafe movement was set up in 2011 by a lovely man called john underwood he was a buddhist and he wanted to find a way of of helping people in the community to talk more openly and honestly about death and dying. And so he and his mum, she uh, set up the first death cafe. She was a psychotherapist, actually. And um, and since then, it is. And then he set up the website, the deathcafe.com website. And since then, the movement just spread. And to our real sadness, for us all, John died a couple of years ago from an undiagnosed cancer within a couple of months. And it was almost as if he came to this earth to do that work, to give us the gift of being able to have an opportunity to talk in a really safe setting about end of life and death and dying. And then he died. It was yes. very bizarre. I met him and he was the most gentle, loving loving kind caring man and that's what his passion was was to say look you know this has to change so I was thrilled to be part of the movement and thrilled to have met him I feel really honored to have done that and yes I run in fact I'm, I'm running one next week 
um, at Bradford Avon at home. So I run them frequently. And basically what they are, it's a lovely model. It's a two-hour model, um, obligatory cup of tea, a piece of cake. That's <laughs> okay, that's essential. Okay. That's absolutely essential. And people just come together to talk about what really matters. They may be terrified of dying themselves. They may have lost a child. They may be sitting by their dying mum. They may have never even thought about death and dying, but didn't know where to go to start even thinking about it. But a lot of people come because they are they are either terrified of upsetting a situation at home or People are saying to them, oh, don't talk about death and dying. It's it's too morbid. And they go, well, where do I go with what I want to talk about? So they're providing the most amazing service to everybody who wants to go to a death cafe. And I love running them. I never, ever fail, never fail to learn something thinking, gosh, I hadn't thought about love and life like that before. And um, I, I hear from people about the death cafe movement and they say the same thing that you say. They say it sounds like an odd thing maybe to be talking about, but you get together with people, everybody is vulnerable, everybody has, you know, issues or things they want to talk about, and people are loving and kind to one another. Um and help them think through these things and friendships develop and oh, yeah. where wherever you are, whatever stage you are uh, in, in the US um, a lot of the death cafe people, people who run, start and run these, uh, are people who've had near death experiences. This is yeah. what they feel called to do after that extraordinary experience. Um, so, if if that resonates with anyone, how would they? Do we just Google um, death cafe and we'll find one nearby? Yeah, go go. I I don't know if the ones in America are registered on the deathcafe.com website. That's all it is. www deathcafe.com and they list all the death cafes that people like me are running so and they have a wonderful structure and information about how to run your own death cafe if you want to set up your own because anybody can set up a death cafe you've just got to be comfortable to talk about death and dying and and that's the only criteria really and there's no selling of products or um you know boosting businesses that's not what a death cafe about it's absolutely only the space to come and talk about what really matters and to explore what death and dying and living means to you because yeah. you know death reminds us to live <laughs> you know, well, I, I, yes I, I think that if there were no death life would not be very sweet because it would just be drudgery day after day what's great is knowing we get to go home we get to go home and home is way better than here but we're here to do our work and we do it joyously knowing that we are going to get to go home yeah that, that i'm i'm completely sold on that on that for me that's where i think but then i'm very respectful that a lot of people don't share that and it's very scary for them even the thought of death even actually saying the word death so I'm very conscious of that. And and um, and that's what, what I think the the death cafe is so lovely because you've all signed up at least to say the word death. <laughs> yes. And from that, conversations take place. And, and I've seen it so often that somebody will be in a death cafe and say something and somebody who might be sitting there very quietly will suddenly look, go, oh, you mean you think that? 
I do. I've never ever said that before to anybody. This and is it's that like, great. Yeah. And, and it's called connection. We simply connect with each other again. That's what Here, it's all about. Here's a tip, everyone. The fear of death is the base fear. If you're afraid of anything, it comes from the fear of death. Once you have convinced yourself that death is impossible for you, and it is impossible for you, and you are eternal by definition, once you really get that, the odd thing is you're not afraid of anything anymore. Not even not you know the mortgage. Nothing bothers you. It's amazing what a difference it makes in your life. So the fact that the institutions, as we've heard to say, the institutions of, of modern society enforce the fear of death. The fact that that's mm-hmm. true, they're enforcing all the fears in your life. You can surmount it. Um, once, you, once you understand that your life is eternal, nothing will be the same. And I think you, there's a journey to get to that because I've been on that journey. And certainly when I started out on life, I was, I was terrified of life, let alone death. That's right. That's what happens. Yes. You know, and then it was as I slowly began this, this, you know, this healing journey, which was really going into who am I? What am I doing here? What's the point of me? That's when I suddenly thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I am far, far more. Oh, I don't want to even use the word complex. I'm far more than I could could possibly imagine. And I do believe that for me. For my belief system is that the clearer I got during my journey, the universe was able to communicate with me more and more. And I feel that I am very connected and I use the word aligned. And again, it's a bit cliched these days, but that's what I feel. It's sort of like there's a, a sense of alignment with the truth of truth. <laughs> and I know when I've gone off beam because I feel really uncomfortable in myself. Yes. And I'll be thrown into loneliness or um, feeling lonely or I don't often get fearful these days, I have to say, but this sort of sense of I'm di- no disconnect. Yes. When, not, when it, it throws me into disconnect and that's not I don't like being in that place. So that's my signal to come back into connect and alignment and every there's there's loads going on in life all the time and I think we have to be very vigilant about what works for us and nurtures and supports our journey and what doesn't and I have a lot in my life been fooled by the fool gold the fool's gold (laughs) and gone tearing off down an avenue that really I had no business to be down there and to sort of come against a blank wall which is really painful and then go okay I'm going to go back to the I'm going to go back into alignment now because that, that, that doesn't serve me and I'd say to anybody, if you're struggling with life, that's absolutely part of the deal. Life's not easy. It isn't. It's not meant to be. We're meant to learn through the, the discomforts and the pains and the, the falling downs and the disappointments and the betrayals and everything that is in the human condition, because we're all, that's what we've signed up to come and experience. Just find what works for you. And if something makes you really unhappy, just find a way to stop doing it. That, 
Now, there's a powerful sentence. If something makes you really unhappy, find a way to stop doing it. Many of us feel we are stuck in the lives we're living, um, but that's not really true. Uh, you, you broke over the traces, and I have heard from other people. In fact, many of the people who have are Seek Reality guests have been through their own dark night of the soul, their own, um, I can't do this anymore, and have radically thrown over the traces. Yeah. And I don't think, a, well, certainly they're the successful ones, but sometimes you think there's no way. You know, he, he dropped that very successful job. Um, you know, she left her whole family, not, not just her husband, but also her children. All these things that people have felt they had to do to survive psychologically turned out to be so empowering. And, and But you yeah. have to do it without hurting people. I think that's important to understand. If other people are dependent on you, you can't just walk out one day. But you can free yourself from whatever it is you think is holding you back. And I just think it's about really oh, – I keep on going back to this in the book. It's about who are you, not what your label is. Not what you do, not the fact you're somebody's daughter or mother or child or whatever it is. Who are you? What is your, what makes you tick? Because something will. You know, each one of us is such an individual expression of who we are. And I I love knowing that. But we are part of this this greater collective of universal consciousness. And I think that every single one of us, has a unique expression and it yes. once we get that once we understand it once we understand what it is then you suddenly go oh my god i've got it i understand that is the route i need to go down and it can take a while but if you ask god or the universe or whatever works for you your guides or it could be you know the fact you just get a you know the feelings that you have ask your heart you ask your feet if necessary an answer will come it does it does it always does somewhere there is the lock for which you before you were birth were born designed yourself to be the perfect key that lock exists jesus said seek and you will find ask and it will be given to you knock and the door will be opened Because for everyone who seeks, there is that answer. For everyone who asks the answer, the question is answered. And if you knock on that door where you are the perfect key, you'll have a life more abundant than you could possibly imagine now. Not in money. I mean, money is the least of anybody's concern. But in love, in joy, in power, in happiness, in feeling that you are in tune with everything that breathes and everything that doesn't breathe. To put be in that position is the best happy, happiness you could possibly find. And, and, you know, we live in a very duplicitous world now. We have created a world that is, and we've talked about, you know, mentioned this earlier on, which is really difficult. It's, it's crazy. It's narcissistic. It's death-denying. It it's, doesn't feed our soul. It doesn't feed spirituality. It doesn't feed the seeking of who am I. It's it's sort of it, it's completely programmed to do with growth and money and power yes, status. It's all physical. Yes, that, that's not good for soul growth. Soul growth. What's good for soul growth is who am I? In the the simplicity of it all, in in the in the 
in the really owning the suffering that we experience the um and just the sort of understanding that this this call to do this as you were saying earlier on Roberta this call to do this work lots of us have been called to wake up and 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 just be aware of that call because you're being everybody you you and I are Roberta we're we're being called even more loudly now you know and, yes. and, and I yeah, think, it, was, it was a whisper before now it's a shout yeah now it's a scream as far as i can this fellow get yourselves awake yes 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 it's beautiful everyone yeah. you have at least one primary guide most of us have one but occasionally people have more than one who are sharing their duties this person has been with you all your life since before you were born and is helping you to wake up is helping you to grow spiritually and if you have a role to play is helping you get all the pieces together you don't have to worry about it so that when it's clear to you what the lock is that you are the perfect keep for when it when that is clear you'll already have it i spent my whole life preparing to do this i had no idea until i was in my late 60s what i was supposed to do so that's what happens the same thing happened to you sue yeah well, just- I, I woke up 30 years ago, but the, the work I do now has only come to me since, since I've been in my 60s. I've been tinkering around with it and yes. doing things with it, and I've been a writer for a long time. But this real, um, this call to action, if you like, about living fully, dying consciously now is absolutely where I am at, and that's the offering I'm giving. And I'm also really interested in... Once we understand what living fully and dying consciously in is is about, it puts us back into right relationship with the earth and ourselves, and that's where we've gone wrong. We we lost the plot. We believe that we were greater than Mother Earth, and we were greater than the cycles, the natural cycles of the universe, and all there is. And we 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 became filled with hubris pride yes. and that's been our self-righteousness has been our downfall and i think th- this is now a time to go back into um the real understanding of true humi- humility which is you know i am i am um, um i am part of this i'm not i am not um what's a sort of over it i'm not a I'm not separate from it. I'm part of this and it is part of me. And that really, and that's incredibly important for the whole concept of dying consciously because, you, as you say, you just go home then. One of the things that's important to understand is that there's nothing negative about you in, yeah. in what Sue is saying because it's, your, it's the culture that yeah. gives us these false ideas Nothing wrong about you at all. You are right, and your instincts are right. If you will follow those instincts, just be aware that the religions that we practice do not help us at all spiritually, not at all. And certainly um, the scientific uh, ideas that are all around us that we sort of assume scientists know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. And when they get together, they sort of say that to one another, but they won't say that to us. But the day is coming when we will wake up. And I think what's going to wake us up is going to be an excellent mode of communication with the people we used to think were dead. Because when you could call up yeah. Great Aunt Mildred and get the recipe she last used in 1888, 
and get and now you know the secret recipe and you made it and it tastes just like everyone said it. You will no longer believe in death and you will stop believing the scientific liars and the religious liars. You will believe the truth and the truth will set you free, as Jesus said. Yeah. So we're right on the edge of that. We're on the cusp of that. Well, I think that that's why you're so excited, Sue. I, I'm excited too when I think yeah. about it. Um, I really love the theosophical um, writings, Alice Bailey's writings, um, and she she was she was uh, a, born in the 18 whatevers and and died around about 1950 for, for something like that. But she channeled through somebody called the Tibetan and the te- one of the main teachings, even this is going back to 1930s, 1920s, 1930s, was that humanity, the, the next level of humanity is to lose its fear of death. And yes. then we return back to what we sh- almost to, to the consciousness of the hunter gatherer, which is being in awe of this incredible thing called planet Earth that gives us life. And I think that will be the religion. That will be the the beautiful religion of returning back to awe um, and and respect and seeing each other in that moment of salutation of that we're all that we all need each other. We're all part of this. We're organically connected to Mother Earth and to the universe. And we're just passing through this physical existence. That's all we're doing. We're growing in, hopefully, in love and wisdom. There's lots of knowledge out there, but very little wisdom. That's true, yes. We take that home with us. And I think, therefore, the universe and the great consciousness grows as we grow. We're co-creators. So yes. Yeah. Yes. So what what do you want people most to take away from having heard you talk today? What 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 are you trying most of all to tell people? Um that they're not alone. I think that's where so much pain and suffering comes from. With people feeling they're just completely alone with who they are and what they're thinking and their crazy ideas and 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 sort of the you know the judgments that go on and trying to survive with their nose above the water level to keep to feed the kids you know you know put the food on the table with the kids and pay the mortgage and uh, you know that that you're not alone I'd say to anybody you're not alone we're all in this together and we're all trying and if we join together we wake up to what's the truth of really what life is about then I think that this will really help all of us collectively actually say no more of the conditioning yes we're done we're done we're done no more doesn't work and then new new um, ways new systems new politics can come into life I mean I know, you know, I've been hearing the news about America and we've got a similar going over in England. I know. It's, it's like everything suddenly bad at once. Exactly. We need the Greta um, Tombergs, you know, this wonderful young 16-year-old who's this, she's a fabulous um, uh, Swedish girl and she's out with her banner. She's totally changing people's relationship with um, climate change. And we need the young people now. They need to step forward and take and just say, we're not doing it like this anymore. This is not going to happen. And we as the elders, we need to support them because this is their world and not ours. We're now 
you know, where we need to take the elder role, you know, the wisdom role. It and seems that- to me, though, what you said before resonated with me. I'm, I was born in 1946. I'm the oldest baby boomer version there is. And <laughs> I've lived through the 60s. So every every age that we have hit as a as an age cohort, we're such a big one that we basically transformed it, whatever it was. Yeah. And and you could watch it happen if you were living it. Yeah. And I think we have come to a point, and you said this, to where it's time for us to reinvent this next stage for us, which is yes. transitioning home. Absolutely. And we can do that in such a way that we make life better for everybody younger than we are. Yes. That's exactly. what we need to be doing. And in that light, I'm going to ask you to come back in September. Um, oh. And everyone, if you, if you want to hear more from the wonderful <laughs> Sue Brain, come, you know, watch us, watch for in September for her to come back. Because um, I want her, you, Sue, to be our expert on how to do this next stage well. Okay. I want you to be our baby boomer in residence. Because <laughs> be I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of can't do it because I've got so much else on my plate that I've got to try to help people learn. I mean, I have a role to play, but it's not that role. But, it, but you, I think you'll be a wonderful person to do, to, to do this for people who wonder now how to do the next stage yeah. perfectly. I mean, we certainly did the youth quake really well we not did. necessarily I, I i'm embarrassed about a lot of the things we did but we did it anyway we did a youth quake we could do a death quake yes yeah, going to be joyous Absolutely. for everyone this is this is this is the work this is the work that i i've been sent to do there's no question about that i'm absolutely i know it is and um and i love talking about it and uh yeah it's because you know this is the next thing i can see it over the horizon Many people our age are, are still, I mean, I still don't feel much different than I felt in my 40s. So I don't focus on death at all. I know I won't get to go home soon, unfortunately. But um, but you you think about it and clearly it resonates with you. You've had a very different voyage. So I'm excited to, to have you back. I'll, I'll be back in touch with you about just when, when we can schedule that. But unfortunately, we have come toward the end of our time now. So. <laughs> Please consider yourself hugged, my dear, across the pond. <laughs> and you too. We'll, we'll and, be talking really soon. And to and everyone. To Sam as well for sorting out the, the techo stuff. Oh, well, that's all right. That's easy. <laughs> I mean, when you, we have a wonderful expert engineer. We had some trouble getting it right across the pond. But that's history. Right now we've got this big, big connection. Um, yeah. Anyway, everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm very glad you could be here today. I've enjoyed this so much. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get everything that that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, we'll welcome back two beautiful friends. Carol Morgan and her son, Mikey, will be here for the sixth time. Longtime Seek Reality listeners know Mikey Morgan as an amazing sixth-level being who last lived on Earth in the 1600s. Mikey has genuinely achieved the sixth level spiritually, what Jesus called the kingdom of God, which means that he is preparing to join the source at level seven. So he didn't have to come back here. And to be frank, it seems to be the case that beings who have attained that very exalted level are so distant from the earth and its concerns that even remembering what it felt like to be human 
makes it they, they they don't remember anything they can't communicate with us and i think mikey although he it's obvious he's very much a kindred spirit to us all he wanted to make sure he really could so he took an elective light extra lifetime began i believe in 87 and ended in 07 his he planned a 20 year life that was his last exit point so he had because he wouldn't go willingly they had to take him by it with an accident he did it so he could communicate to us in the voice and in the manner of an american kid just a regular kid and yet he has all the knowledge all the experience, all the wisdom of, of being very close to the level of the source. This is unique. I know of no other situation where this has ever occurred. And I have questioned Mikey, tested him six ways to Sunday. I'm very skeptical when someone makes this kind of claim. Mikey knows much more than I know, and he's the only person living or dead that I have ever found that I could say certainly does know that. So he's also, because he's a kid, he's a lot of fun. And I hope you'll join us next week. I think you'll enjoy talking with Carol and Mikey with both of them. And this week, our guest all the way from the UK has been Sue Brain. And Sue is someone else whose guides are making her aware of the worldwide effort that's now being conducted at the very highest levels to enlighten the planet, to transform the world, to, to elevate the consciousness of this planet. She was made aware. She's answered the call. If you are feeling at all any kind of tug about that, you probably have something else to do, too. Don't hesitate to, to just say, here I am, and show up, because it's the most fun you can possibly imagine. Sue's new book, and it's brand new, is called Living Fully, Dying Consciously, The Path to Spiritual Well-Being. She also hosts a blog that focuses on how to live consciously for a better world, and she has set up a Facebook community page called Living Consciously for a Better World. And in the notes to this program, we will put the link so that you can go and try all of that out. It's beautiful. I love meeting people like Sue who are really kindred spirits because they're feeling exactly the same call that I'm feeling. And I think that she will make a wonderful expert for us in how to live the next stage as baby boomers and and everyone who comes after us, how to live it to the fullest and really do it right. So um, I just want to say I'm so glad I finally met her. I think we were supposed to meet. Now, as you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and then very soon, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. There are children's books, too. The adult books are all available as audiobooks and as well as on Amazon and from bookstores if you'd like to order them that way. You can always contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com, and I answer every email. So don't hesitate to reach out if you'd like to. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, the wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family, and all the other standard places where you can find a blog, and a, a, a podcast. And if you um, like, you can just get the app that's available for free in the iTunes store and get Seek Reality every week that way. Please do come and read my blog. It appears every Sunday morning for as long as I sort of feel I can do it. I keep thinking, oh, this one will never work. But they all come together because, of course, I'm getting heavy help from Thomas. And we talk about a lot of these issues there. And I think um, if you're interested, if you like what we talk about here, you may well like what we talk about every Sunday morning. 
Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, more than anyone else in the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.